Thank you, Natalie. Uh, what uh, she sang and what a number of the songs uh, spoke about this morning are the things that Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. And that's where we're at, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And he uh, explains things. I've got this distraction here in front of me. I saw you sneak this up here. It's a special dark chocolate Hershey bar. I'll be looking at that all morning. I, I should not. Uh, when sometimes in times of confusion or in times of confusion, kinds of, of uh, ways to deal with certain things. You know, we're in a time of confusion. There are all kinds of things out there, uh, 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 ways to deal with this, how to take care of these things, and, uh, and some uh, probably true, some might not be, uh, but a lot of it is your mission. What is the mission that you have? What do you hope to accomplish? And you do things differently if you have different missions. Uh, if your mission in life is to win a hot dog eating contest, then you will eat all of your food without chewing it. If that's your mission, you'll do things differently. If your mission in life is to live to be 100 years old, then you will eat uh, healthy and you will get plenty of rest and you will exercise and you will uh, take time to relax and de-stress, uh, plenty of sleep and uh, did I miss any? Just wanted to know if any of you, your desire, goal is to live to be 100. Uh, I guess not. That's not my, my goal in life. But if the mission of First Baptist Church is comfort, we will do things differently. Now, we did put in new chairs. That doesn't mean our mission is comfort. But it is a lot more comfortable than when we had the pews in here. If our mission is safety, then we wouldn't send... Uh, missionaries to foreign fields where there's a lot of danger. We are going to be voting on our budget, and it includes in the budget missionaries going to the Uyghurs in China. Uh, they are a Muslim group there. They're the group that you will read about in, and have been reading about in the newspaper uh, where China puts them in re-education camps or concentration camps is really what they are. We're sending a young couple there to minister if, if, if the vote goes through, and I, I believe that it will. But our mission is not safety. If our mission were numbers, we would do a lot more entertaining and, uh, and bring in some big entertainers, big-name entertainers, so that we could get our numbers up if that's our ministry. Uh, by understanding, or our mission, by understanding what our mission is or our goal here in life, then we better understand, or we have a better understanding of how to accomplish that goal. The church at Corinth was confused about its mission, was confused about its goal, what they were supposed to be doing. And the church was divided, and they were questioning Paul's authority, and they were uh, enamored with the false teachers, and they, they had some big names that had come in after Paul left, 
And now they were kind of mooching off of the church at Corinth, but they were great. Uh, uh, the, the people loved them. And so uh, they were focusing on what seemed to be good for them without a concern for others. And that's why Paul emphasizes the importance of completing the gift to the church at Jerusalem, finish taking up that offering, because when you do something for someone else, it takes your eyes off of yourself. If you find that your, your vision is, is withdrawing into, your, in, in, into you, then you will become uh, not just a recluse, but you will become self-centered and you will do the natural or normal things and you will place yourself upon the throne that Jesus is supposed to sit on in our lives. And that's what was happening at the church at Corinth. This last section, chapters 10 through 13, uh, Paul is saying, I want you to understand some things. In fact, in chapter 10, I want you to understand three things because you have a beef with me. Uh, and that's the title of this message. What's your beef? Uh, Paul is saying, you have a beef with me because you do not understand three things. And the three things that I came up with uh, all start with B. There are three things. There's, uh, you have a beef with me because you don't understand we're in a battle. You've got a beef with me because you don't understand boasting. And we sang about that. Boasting in the glory of the Lord. Uh, you... Un you uh, uh, have a beef with me because you don't, uh, do not understand blooming or blossoming or growth, spiritual growth. And until you get a grasp of those things, Paul is saying, you will not accomplish the goal that God has for the church at Corinth. And I am saying the same thing. Unless we have that, that focus, unless we begin to understand that in our own lives, but as corporately as a church, we need to remember these things or we will not accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. So uh, what were these three things? If you're jotting them down, you have a beef with me, Paul says, because you don't understand we're in a battle. And we really are in a battle. And we, uh, we, we're coming to see that, don't you? Uh, the closer we get to uh, election day, we see that uh, the whole world is, is battling for certain things. But are they the right things? Now, if, if your battle is just to see somebody get elected, then, uh, then you're, you're, you're kind of going off uh, into a tangent. You're, you're, you're forgetting that we are in a battle. We will be in a battle until Jesus comes back. And no matter who sits in the White House, it really is not going to get better for us. Because it's not, the White House is not our enemy or our friend. It is Satan who is our enemy. And he is out to destroy the church. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, he says, you know, uh, Satan will not be able to, to uh, destroy the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, a lot of churches will not survive COVID. A lot of churches will not be meeting, probably again. Uh, there are many already have closed their doors because 
uh, they cannot make it, much like many of the businesses are closing up. But you don't understand that there's a spiritual battle, Church of Corinth, and there's spiritual warfare that is going on. Now, there's some simple battles that are going on. And the simple battle starts in verse 1, and and you read that. Now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. And you know what he's saying here? These verses can be kind of confusing, but when you study it, what Paul is saying, you're, you're making false accusations against me. Look, at it, it, it's the same verse uh, over at verse 10. Uh, he's saying the same thing. For his letters, this is, this is what you're saying about me, is what Paul says. His letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. What he's saying is when you write to us, you write with boldness. And uh, sure, you're all words and you're all mighty and you're all powerful, but when you come face to face, you're weak, Paul was saying. And so uh, this is a a simple battle that goes on, false accusations. Have you ever had anybody make false accusations about you? (laughs) Sure you have. And if you say no, it's because you haven't heard them, but they're saying them about you. Uh, Behind your back, you're getting plenty of those, but they were out to discredit God's messenger. Bold in writing, but weak when you're in in our presence here. Uh, There's a, a lot of false information out there, a lot of false accusations will be made until the election, and that won't stop it. It's just going to keep going. It'll always be around because uh, there, there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. The lies, gossip, half-truths, they're satanic. That's what he is saying here. In verse 4, when he gets to this part, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So that Satan is our enemy, and even though false accusations seem simple, they are based in the battle that that Satan has against believers, and it will not end. Uh, What's the answer to false accusations? When somebody makes a false accusation, what do you do? Well, you retaliate. You make a false accusation against them. Or you blow up some of their flaws, or, or you get even, or you put them in their place. No, that's not the way Paul took care of this, and that, that's not the way we're supposed to handle it. Verse 1 tells us how to an- handle it, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So uh, that's where true power comes from. Let them see Christ. Somebody makes a false accusation against you? Let them see Christ. Let them see your smile. Let them see your uh, control by the Holy Spirit and not by the flesh or uh, the carnal side of us, fleshly side of us. Let them see Christ. Um, Hide behind Christ. I like how Paul says this in verse 1. He says, now I, Paul, 
He uses his name. They knew who was writing the letter, but he says, Paul. You know what Paul means? Means little. So what Paul is saying, I am, I am little. Okay. You, you nailed it. I am weak. I am meek. I am gentle. Why? Because he's hiding behind Christ. Run to Jesus. When somebody brings false accusation to you, run to Jesus. Don't run at them to attack. Don't run and hide. Run to Jesus is what he is saying. Because Matthew 11, the only place that I know of where Jesus actually describes himself, you know how he describes himself? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Meek and lowly in heart. Let him see Jesus, that's where our power is. So there are just simple uh, battles such as false accusation, simple battles such as um, fleshly preferences here in verse 2. This is what they preferred at Corinth. I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. What he is saying here, they wanted to see somebody walking according to the flesh. They had their eyes on the fleshly. They had their eyes on these false teachers who were very talented. Uh, maybe they, they had curly hair, maybe wavy hair. I, I, they had outward appearance, the, the flesh, the great abilities, great orators. Great resumes, great accomplishments. These are fleshly things. And that's what they were looking at. We're in a spiritual battle. Sometimes they're simple. But sometimes they are strongholds. We get to verse 4, there are strongholds. And a stronghold is, is a, an impenetrable wall. Or a, in verse 4, it talks about this stronghold. It talks about weapons, and it talks about warfare that's going on. It's a military campaign being done by Satan. And so he is going to continue to attack us this way in spiritual battles. Weapons. Uh, orchestrated attack. It's much deeper than just people because it is headquartered in hell. And so... Uh, Satan is trying to destroy us. These strongholds are walls of resistance, trying to, uh, trying to keep us from God. Walls that are built up. I dare say that you have had to deal with strongholds in your lives. These are not just simple things like false accusations. These are serious things, such as addictions. And they do not happen overnight these walls of resistance are block by block by block. And I've seen it between couples, between spouses, where because they of unforgiveness or, or whatever, they will build, they will lay these blocks down, and they will not forgive the other until the wall is up so high that they no longer communicate. It's uh, the wall so high they can no longer see each other. Seems to be no hope. And, and these are these 
uh, walls, uh, strongholds. Addictions are that way, just block after block, and it seems, okay, this is, this is okay. Uh, usually we consider strongholds being uh, alcoholism or drug addiction or uh, pornography uh, addiction, these addictions that we have. But it can be attitudes, pride, and anger. In fact, that's what he uses there in verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself. And when we begin to exalt ourselves, it's because of the pride in our lives here. So these strongholds, these mental walls that we build up over a period of time can destroy lives, and that's Satan's goal here. Uh, pride, unbelief, uh, that uh, God doesn't care about me, intellectualism. Uh, I've heard uh, just in the last couple of weeks uh, people saying, well, uh, you can believe what you want to believe, but I believe in science. You can believe the Bible, but I believe in science. And uh, it's, that's uh, uh, intellectualism, the wisdom of men. Uh, he's talking about it. wisdom of men. You know, how smart are we when we say that gender is fluid? How, how, how smart is that? They can be whatever you want to be. Uh, you, you say, that's the wisdom of men. And it is the wisdom of men. And it's happening all around us in this case. Now, these walls, these attacks that are made are going to come uh, in, uh, in three areas in our thought lives. Because he's saying here, your imaginations... We're to bind those up, bring into captivity every thought. We're to round those imaginations up. Don't let them run wild. You know, we used to, uh, uh, they used to round up horses out there in Montana. And they would, they're wild horses, and so they'd only allow so many to be out in, in the, the state parks there. And so they would round them up, and they would, they would uh, have auctions, sell them off. But that's what the, he's describing here, round up those thoughts and bring them into captivity. Don't let them run wild. Uh, attacks in three areas of your thought lives. Evil thoughts, that's the sensual. And maybe that's what you need to bind up, your sensual thoughts. That all day long, that's where your thoughts go, to the sensual. Thinking about that. And then there are anxious thoughts. All day long, you're worried, you're anxious, you're, uh, you're, you're in turmoil. And then there's undisciplined thoughts or imaginations. And they're often directed towards authority, uh, children towards their parents, or people towards their authorities, or, um, or to towards their pastors, or towards leadership. And these are undisciplined Thoughts, round them up like wild horses and so that uh, they're not out there uh, destroying. And the reason they do that in the parks there in, uh, in Montana is because so many horses, too many horses, they destroy the environment there. Don't let Satan destroy, destroy your environment, your thought life, the wisdom of men. What are our weapons? Well, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. 
humility is one. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. There is humility. Uh, he says that in verse 5, uh, that uh, we're to cast uh, oh, obedience to Christ. That's humility. Obedience to Christ. It begins with salvation. And my, my prayer is that everyone here has already placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But that might not be true. I, I don't know your hearts. I barely know mine, so I do not know yours. But if you have never asked Christ to forgive you and save you, then uh, now is the time to do that. And that begins, that will help you. You're not in a battle unless you're a believer. Then this battle pertains to you. And our weapons are humility. Verse 6, the weapon is repentance. Turn back, turn around. Go from disobedience to obedience. That's what repentance means, 180 turn, degree turn. Um, that's, our weapons are not carnal or fleshly, but they are through Christ, in Christ. Humility, repentance, restraint, verse 5, cast down or take captive those thoughts. Renew your relationship with Christ is verse 7. If any man trust in himself that he is Christ, let him himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Renew that relationship with Christ. How do you do that? What is your relationship with Christ? How, how is it going? The renewing of it comes through talking to him. Just like renewing your relationship with with anyone, it's, it's not going to happen unless you spend time with them and talk with them. Uh, reading God's word, let him talk to you as well. Uh, in Philippians 4, verses 7 and 8, there are all these things that think on these things. If you want to renew your mind to Christ, think on these things. Love him. Uh, and I'm hoping a few of you are, uh, when you're faced with a an opportunity to sin that you're saying, Jesus, I love you more than I love this. I love you more than the, in the, the way that I would feel if I, if I gave somebody a zinger or put them down or embarrassed them. I love you more. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we're doing battle against he that is in the world, Satan himself. Uh, the Holy Spirit. Joshua knew that human means could not knock the wall of Jericho down. It had to be supernatural. It had to be God that would do it. And so they didn't charge the walls with battering rams. They charged the walls with ram's horns. And they blew and they said, you know, uh, praise God. And the walls came down. So uh, they knew that it takes something. And, and we cannot tear these walls down or these strongholds down in our own strength. It's going to be spiritual. Then they had a beef with Paul because they misunderstood that they were in a battle. They had a beef with Paul because they didn't understand boasting. They were, they were boasting in these that had, had uh, come, the false teachers, Boasting in them. They were boasting in positions and power. 
outward appearances. Um, I, I just have been reading how that China has, is uh, parading its military might uh, on the in the coast, in the sea there by Taiwan, just letting them know that, hey, we can take you anytime, uh, whether in the air or whether in the sea. And they are, that's their boasting is in their, their might. But that's not the boasting that Paul is talking about here. And he, he says, uh, Corinth, the Church of Corinth, you're boasting in the wrong things. He's not boasting. This is verses 7 through 11. Uh, you're not boasting in outward appearance because uh, Paul had no, nothing to boast about. A second century uh, author wrote about the Apostle Paul, said that he was short in stature, that he was, uh, uh, had a hooked nose, he had a unibrow, uh, he, was, he moved slowly, he had scars all over his face because he was stoned, uh, he was bow-legged, and, uh, you know, I started to think, yeah, pretty much what you guys got, you know? <laughs> uh, you don't boast in appearance, though, Paul says. It, it doesn't work. When we boast, verse 8, it, uh, for though I should boast somewhat of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification. What is boasting? Uh, boasting in verse uh, 17 is used in that verse too, only they have glorieth there. Uh, the same word, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He that boasteth, let him boast in the Lord. What, what is boasting in the Lord supposed to do? In verse 8, it's supposed to build up. That's what that word edification means. Build believers up. And so, uh, not to tear down into destruction, it says there in verse 8. Not for your destruction. Um, I was listening to a talk show on Christian radio this week. And the guest there was taking call-ins. And a man called in and said, I'm looking for a church. Would it be appropriate for me to ask, when I called, ask the pastor if there's anybody in the church that's living an immoral life? And the, the guy, the host, not the host, but the, the main speaker there, uh, just kind of, he said, well, uh, yeah, you, you can, but if the pastor's honest, he'll say, well, sure, because we are humans, and so we live that way. But he said a better question to ask is, how is it addressed, and how do you help that person reconcile with Christ again? See, that's to build up. That's the, the object or purpose a First Baptist Church is to make people look more like Jesus Christ so that when we go to be with him, we will be more like him than we were last week. And we never know when the Lord is going to come, but build that relationship with God, not to destroy it. And so uh, there's a, a battle going on, and there's boasting that's going on, and we boast not in the flesh. 
And he says, we, you also have a beef with me because you don't understand blossoming or growing in the Lord. You know, the end of the season for flowers is now. This is the end. And so our dahlias and our cannons in our backyard know that this is a, it's about done. It's about over. And so they're putting forth their, all of their energy right now in blooming. And so the, our garden there is just surrounded by all these big dahlias and, and the cannas have big red plumes sticking up. Uh, this, is, this is blooming. This is growing because the time for growth is almost done. You realize that, that the Lord could come back this week. And I'm praying that he will. And if he does, I, need, I want to be blooming. I want to be growing. Uh, in, a, in a few weeks, we'll have a hard frost. All those flowers will be done. I'll hack them all down with a machete, and then I'll dig all the bulbs up and put it to rest for the year. But right now is the time that the last of our flowers are blooming. How are you doing? Spiritual growth. Now, we... How do you evaluate the spiritual growth of a church? Pretty, pretty tough. We're terrible evaluators. In Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus is evaluating churches. Now, the churches also evaluated themselves. One church said, we are poor. And Jesus looks at him and said, no, you're not. You're rich. Another church said, we are rich. And have no need of others. We are, we've got all, all this wealth. And Jesus looks at him and said, no, you're not. You're poor. Now, it helps to, to uh, be involved in what Jesus is involved in, with his cause. There's a false measurement that Paul talks about in verse uh, 12. You measure yourself to yourself. You make up the, okay, here's the criteria. Uh, it's like these fishing uh, uh, measurements. I've seen some in some boats that I've gotten into. The fisherman's measure, and uh, you catch a walleye that's 36 inches long, and it's about this long. You know, they, the inches are short. They make up their own inches, and that's what they're doing. Um, the church at Corinth, yeah, you compare yourselves with yourselves. That's not the way it is done. That's a false measurement it's a lot like the and i say this quite often the older i get the better i was you know you kind of forget what you were uh back there and measuring yourself by yourself and it's not, and if you're like me you're good if you're not like me you're bad no that's a false measurement um i read of a young lady that was applying for a job and uh, the person she was applying with said my you have some very uh, Im impressive uh, references here and she said why thank you I wrote them myself now that's not the way it works a false measurement verses 13 through 18 here's the true measurement and there are three questions that you need to ask if you want to measure how you're doing in the Lord. Paul asks them here. And I, I, I don't know. I think it was Wearsby that had these three questions. And, and it's something you could write in the margin of your Bible or down at the bottom of it. 
Three questions to ask yourself about your growth. The first one, am I where God wants me to be? Verses 13 and 14. Paul says, God sent me to minister unto you, even you, Corinthians. God sent me. Am I where God wants me to be? If you don't know, ask him. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Uh, The Judaizers, uh, they came after Paul had already brought Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, the hope that you can have your sins forgiven, that you can become a child of God. You can talk to God. You can be, uh, come into the presence with boldness. Uh, you, uh, you will have eternal life. And uh, am I where God wants me to be, though? Not measured. See, I'm not measured against Charles Spurgeon. I'm not measured against Billy Graham or David Jeremiah, although sometimes, sometimes I, I feel like I am. I mean, and, and I don't mind it. That's, that's okay. I don't mind when you come in and, and say, man, I just got through listening to uh, David Jeremiah's message, and boy, was it a good one, you know. Uh, or I was handed a, a tape, so you know that's pretty long ago a tape one time and said, listen to this, Pastor, it will revitalize your ministry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to listen to this. Uh, but I say, am I where I'm supposed to be? No, I have I, not been given the gifts of these other men. I've been given the gifts that God wanted me to use, the opportunities God wants me to use. Uh, sometimes I've gone to pastor's workshops and and I come away discouraged because they're all successful. And I'm not always successful. But God doesn't measure me according to somebody else. He measures if I am faithful. Are you where God wants you to be? Second question, is God glorified by your ministry? And you all have ministries, believe it or not. If you're a believer, you have a ministry. It might be caring for your Aging parents, that's a ministry. Is God glorified by that ministry? That's verses 15 through 17. It's God who should be uh, receiving the glory for what we do, not in numbers, not in the greatness of churches, not, uh, but it's, it's God. Uh, Paul quotes Jeremiah 9, 24 in verse 17. Don't glory in men, is what he is saying here. And uh, the final test isn't when we die, it's the final test is when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat. And Paul has told the Corinthians about that. Uh, Am I where God wants me to be? Is God glorified by my ministry? And the third question, can the Lord command my work? Verse 18. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. I can pat myself, my, myself on the back. That's does no good, does it? Someday I will stand before Christ. Will what I have done be commended by Jesus? Uh, will what you have done be commended by Jesus? Judgment seat. Someday. Uh, a time of reward. For us, and so uh, there's there's a battle going on. There's boasting, but only in Christ. There's blooming by.
becoming more like Jesus. Cindy and I love uh, cemeteries to walk through and to read the tombstones. And I know Paul had, was beheaded in Rome, so uh, he didn't get a tombstone. But in my mind, if Paul had a tombstone, this would be on his tombstone. Six words. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. I would like that on mine. Dave, a servant of Jesus Christ. I pray that I might be faithful and have that type of a, a, a legacy when I leave. Let's pray. Father, asking, Lord, that we might learn. As these, this uh, chapter seems to be so obscure when you read it. Yet you realize that there are some truths that can be picked out of it. We're in a battle. Help us as we battle this week. Help us to boast in Jesus and him only, not in ourselves. Help us to bloom where you plant us, that our goal might be to bring glory to Jesus Christ and be commanded that day of judgment, the judgment seat, day of reward for our faithfulness. And praying that we might that you might protect us this week and uh, that we might continue to grow through this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.